coming up on Philosophy Talk. Hey, Scully, do you believe in an afterlife? I settled for a life in this one. What's next? Death and the afterlife. Can you, as a person, survive the destruction of your body? Well, when your body goes, is that the end of you, too? You're dead. This is the afterlife. And I'm God. I am not dead. Because I refuse to believe that the afterlife is run by you. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Is there any reason to believe in the great hereafter? Tonight on Is There, we examine the question, is there a life after death? <laughs> and here to discuss it are three dead people. What's next? Death and the Afterlife, coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford University where Ken teaches philosophy, and I did for 40 years. Today we're asking, what's next? Death and the afterlife. Well, I'll tell you what's next. Nothingness. Oh, John, how can you be so all-fired sure there's no afterlife? Well, I think a better question is why can you be sure or, or even imagine that there might be one? Well, people have believed in the afterlife since, well, since there were people, as far as I can tell. Who am I to say that they were all dead wrong? Well, you're a philosopher. You're supposed to be able to recognize wishful thinking when you see it or hear it. People believe in the afterlife, don't they, because they don't like the idea of themselves dying or even their friends dying. It's a comforting fantasy, Ken. It's nothing more than oh, that. Oh, John, John, not all visions of the afterlife are comforting. Shakespeare's Hamlet, you remember him, he didn't think so. I mean, that to be or not to be speech was all about how even though life is positively dreadful and not choice-worthy, the afterlife is potentially much, much worse. So it's not all comforting. Well, okay, but that's just two sides of the same delusion. Uh, I, I, how, how, why would you say that? Well, heaven is God's carrot. Hell is his stick. Your, your pal Nietzsche said about Jesus he, that Jesus was so hungry for love that he had to invent hell so he could send those who refused to love him there. Heaven is the flip side. It's where you go if you've been a good little soul. Oh, John, okay, look, I, I can see your cynicism and disbelief. If you start out convinced from the beginning that there's no God, there's no soul, there's no cosmic justice, then sure, yeah, the idea of an afterlife is going to seem pretty silly, pretty hopeless, all that. But you got to admit, you just might be wrong. Can't you admit that? Because after all, we do question everything here. Well, what if I am wrong? What then? Are you going to tell me about what this afterlife that I'm wrong about is like? What's the basis for what you're going to say? You've never been there. You've never met anybody who's been there. Uh, of course, I grant you that, but it's not. You're trying to make it out a matter of evidence, of present-day evidence. I admit it's not a matter of present-day evidence. Right now, it's a matter of faith, at least while we're still stuck in the here and now. People take it on faith. Yeah, exactly. My point. Case closed. No, no, no. Case not closed. Just because I can't get evidence now doesn't mean I could never get evidence. Look, suppose I, I told you that some really cool things are taking place in some really amazing but 
far-off place. And you and I are missing out on all the fun. And you've got no basis for denying the very existence of this cool place just because it's not next door. It's not in our neighborhood. It's not part of the here and now. Yeah, but I, I certainly have no basis for believing it either. Well, okay, so maybe you should just be an agnostic about it. Then. Okay, I'll be an agnostic. Happy? Yeah, well, okay, because, look, suppose I decide I'm going to find out the truth about this place for myself. I'm going to set out on my own to search for this really cool place. What do you think about that? Good luck with that. <laughs> well, are you willing to follow me? No way, fat chance. Forget uh, about it. Come on, wouldn't you even be the least bit curious? Wouldn't you want to know if I actually found it? And wouldn't you want to know what it's really like if it's actually there? Wouldn't you want to know that? Well, sure. If you make it to this distant uh, heavenly Epcot Center that, <laughs> that you've heard advertised, uh, send me a postcard for for goodness sakes, or, or or come back and tell me all about it. Be glad to listen and learn. Okay, so now I've at least got your curiosity piqued about this place, but I got some bad news for you. Now that your curiosity's aroused, it's it's a one way trip, and if you really want to know, you've got to make the journey all by yourself. Well, that's a bit of a bummer. You're not willing to risk it, huh? What are you afraid, cowardly? No, I'm not afraid. I just I'm not interested in this pie in the sky, a waste of time or energy. You know, John, you started out trying to say, saying that the belief in the afterlife is, is, is something for cowards. It's little more than a comforting fantasy of those who don't have the courage to face the truth. But you know what? I hear you changing your tune. You may not realize it, but you're now suggesting exactly the opposite. Well, I don't quite see how. Well, because, look, people who believe in the afterlife are like people who knowingly set out on a journey to a distant land that they know just might not exist Cowards don't do that sort of thing, John. Only people with the courage to take a leap of faith into the unknown do that. There's nothing comforting about that. I get it, Ken. You're channeling your inner Kierkegaard. When my inner Kierkegaard beckons, I take an antacid. I didn't say it was about cowardice as opposed to courage. After all, everyone's going to make this journey one way or another when they die or not make it. I said about it's about what's reasonable to expect and what's unreasonable to expect. I'm not even convinced that that's right, John, because, look, there have been so many different visions of what the afterlife might be like throughout human history. Why, why deny that some of those visions might actually be more reasonable and more persuasive than other of those visions? Well, how about we put that proposition to the test? <laughs> how do you suggest we do that? You want us to die right here in the radio? Uh, well, we've, we may have already done that. But <laughs> like we always do, by sending our roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantari, out into the fields. This time, the Elysian Fields, where she explores the many different visions that have been offered of heaven, hell, and points in between. She files this report. It has come to be. The four horsemen are drawing nigh. The time of prophecy is upon us. I love when you get all biblical, Satan. You know exactly how to turn my crank. Before Satan ever came along, there was Hades, Zeus's outcast brother. And he wasn't the nicest guy. He ran the underworld, but thought the dead were dull and uncool. He was as mean as he was ruthless. The gospel In early Greek mythology, it didn't matter if you were a sinner or a saint. Everybody kicked it with Hades in the underworld after they died. And to make matters worse, Hades had a three-headed dog guarding the gates of hell, so you couldn't get out. It wasn't until later in Greek lore that the idea of a separate heaven and hell emerged. At first, heaven was only a place for the sons of gods and warriors killed during battle. For joy! 
In the early Greek version of heaven, warriors battle all day without dying and drink wine all night without getting hungover. Much more fun than Hades, and not a bad military recruiting tool. Plato's myth of air introduced the idea that all good souls go to heaven, not just soldiers. Today, most religions believe in some kind of a heaven. The Bible says it's always sunny in heaven. There's no death, sadness, crying, or pain of any kind. In the Muslim heaven, there's rivers of milk and wine. In Judaism, like Greek mythology, there was originally only one bleak afterlife for everybody, called Sheol. The Judaic idea of heaven emerged later as Gan Eden, like the Garden of Eden, except for dead people. Then around 400 BC, the idea of heaven became firmly rooted, and so did the idea of hell. What the f- According to the book of Revelations in the Bible, hell has a big lake of fire. And according to Woody Allen in Deconstructing Harry, the only way to get there is on a freight elevator. Floor 8. Escaped war criminals, TV evangelists, and the NRA. Lowest level, everybody off. The Islamic Jahannam is similar to the fiery Catholic hell, except in Jahannam, there's seven gates leading to seven different levels of hell each one worse than the last. But before you go to heaven or hell, there's purgatory. Good afternoon and welcome to Judgment City. In some Jewish beliefs, sinful souls go to Gehenna, or hell, where they, quote, float up and down until they rise purified. Islam's variation is called Barzakh, a space between the physical and spiritual world where naughty souls hang out until Judgment Day. Then there's Catholics. They don't consider purgatory a place, but rather a process of purification. Either way, a lot of souls go through purgatory. Unless they're dogs. Where am I? This is the Great Hall of Judgment. Judgment? Oh, not to worry, Charlie. You'll go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven because unlike people, dogs are naturally good and loyal and kind. Huh. That's true. For us people, most religions have a good afterlife and a bad afterlife. Heaven may be an island full of drunk Greek warriors or a meadow with flowing rivers of milk. But almost everyone agrees, you gotta do good in this life to avoid the fiery pits of hell in the next. So just to be safe, maybe you should call your mom tonight. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari. Want to hear more? You can hear the rest of the program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or, for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.